0: Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Doug Show. My name is Doug Huntington. And in this episode, I talked to Spencer Hawes. He's kind of like a mentor to me, even though he didn't know that he was mentoring me. He uh, does these case studies called niche site projects, and he's been doing them for a few years. I, in fact. I followed along with his very first Niche Site Project case study, and that's really what helped me get started online. We talk about all sorts of things. It's really kind of like Spencer and I schedule an hour, and we just talked about kind of whatever we wanted to talk about, although I, I drove the conversation, so it's more accurate to say I talked about what I wanted to and drove the conversation in that direction, but it was pretty cool. And it was really fun to catch up with Spencer. I want to mention up front that we have a cool offer. So if you are in the market for his tool called Link Whisper, which is a uh, essentially a plugin that helps you internally link your site and provide some smart reporting on links, both in your site and external links as well. If you're interested in that tool, We have a coupon code that will save you $20. So pretty awesome, pretty generous of Spencer to hook us up with that. And there's a deadline on this, so it's just good for a week for the $20 uh, off. But Spencer did mention it may still work in the future. It'll still work in the future, but the discount will be a little different. And he mentions exactly what's going on during the interview. So we have a couple, I guess, big news things going on with this interview as well. So Spencer clues us in that he may be stepping back a little bit from podcasting and and YouTube to some extent. And he layers on some details and it's it's always nuanced. But I know I was really surprised to hear it and a little sad. I mean I listened to Probably hundreds of hours of of Spencer on his podcast. I remember one of the first webinars that I attended and first sort of live tutorials on YouTube. It, it was Spencer's uh like keyword research tutorial, and actually I remember it distinctly and exactly where I was at and what I was doing. I was on a treadmill and I had my uh like my iPad up watching it. Kind of kind of funny to think back. Funny enough, we also talk about running a little bit, which is a passion for Spencer. And it used to be a passion of mine. I actually still love running, but I'll tell you more about that after the interview. So before I send it over, I want to thank a couple sponsors. I'm not going to interrupt this episode. I'm just going to let it run. So I'm going to front load these ads today. First up, we have eZoic and especially their new tool, Leap. So Leap provides everything from optimization features to diagnostics so that websites can pass core web vitals. So you can optimize code, ads, server response, media, um, it'll hook up with a CDN, compare your site technology to other fast sites, and you can visualize where pages aren't passing core web vitals and evaluate technologies on your site that slow it down. So it's kind of a, a full suite, a full set of tools so that you can pass the core web vitals. And it's free for anyone that is monetizing using eZoic. It replaces the sight speed accelerator, which I've been talking about the sight speed accelerator for, uh, I don't know, a long time, a year, a couple years. I can't remember. It's been a while, but it's being replaced, and Leap is going to be better. It is uh, fewer syllables. Sight speed accelerator is kind of a long, hard to say. Leap, that's much easier, and it's free. There's no like add-on tools. I know that was a piece of confusion sometimes for folks with the site speed accelerator and uh, leap very straightforward. The goal is to get all green for that core web vitals, uh, you know, evaluation that Google is judging us on. So check it out. And thanks to EZoic next We got to talk about my friends over at Niche Website Builders. I've interviewed both of the founders, both Mark and Adam, really smart guys. Let me try that again. They're really smart guys. I love them. They're really cool. They're fun to talk to. In fact, I was just catching up with Adam a couple weeks ago. One thing you have to check out if you have not yet is their FAQ service. Now, I've been talking about FAQs and adding questions along with their answers to relevant posts for a long time. It's one of the best and easiest ways to add content to your site, especially to help pull in long tail keywords, which most of those questions that you will find. And by the way, Google will tell you what those questions are. So it's fairly straightforward to do that sort of research. You can uh, pull in a lot of those long tail keywords because, sort of inherently the questions are long tail. So niche website builders, they put together a service because they found it to be really effective. Now they go one step further than the fairly simple kind of research that I was doing and that I would have my VAs do for FAQs. They use some more sophisticated tools to, um, I don't know if it's called knowledge graphs or some other kind, there's a technical name. All right, I forget what it is, but there's a technical name for uh, putting together that sort of information so that Google understands the topical relevancy for your site in a specific post and it can actually help your site overall. Now, I haven't gotten all the results yet, but... Uh, Adam was running this on uh, one of my sites on a handful of posts, so I should have some more data very soon. I may dedicate a whole episode just to share the results and uh, you know the techniques that you could use, right? You could obviously do this yourself. You could hire other writers, or you could hire my friends over at Niche Website Builders. You can get uh, an additional 10% on any of the content services that they have. Using my coupon code to get 10% more content. If you get any of the link building packages, you can save 10%. And uh, honestly, I wish they just uh, made it simpler so I didn't have to explain the more content versus saving money. But the fact is, use my coupon codes, it's gonna save you or get you more stuff. So it's a it's a win-win. And I thank those guys, thanks to Ezoic. Let's kick it over. To the interview with my friend Spencer Haas from Niche Pursuits. I am honored to be talking to Spencer Haas, founder of Niche Pursuits. And I credit Spencer a lot with helping me get getting started just in general with working online. I followed along with this first niche site project case study, and I learned a ton. And then I borrowed the name. Uh, thank you, Spencer, for letting me do that. And how are you doing today I'm doing great uh it's good to be here Doug always happy to chat with you
1: talk about niche sites and uh, business right it's always it's always good
0: yeah and for the people that don't know you at all can you give just a quick intro about who you are and and what you do
1: yeah so um, I've been building um, niche sites full time since 2011. Uh I quit. That's when I quit my job and uh, have built lots of little sites that make money from affiliate revenue, Amazon Associates, Display Ads, Google AdSense. Um, primary drivers of the traffic is SEO traffic. That's really where I focus. Uh, I'm happy to get some social traffic from Pinterest uh, as well along the way. But so I built lots of sites uh, and then started nichepursuits.com to kind of blog about that process of how I'm building these niche sites, how I, you know, what's uh, led me to quitting my job and making an income there. Uh, but then the other side of my business is uh, I've created a couple software tools as well, right? And so long tail pro is one of those keyword research tools that I created and sold that business a few years ago. And uh, I currently own and operate link whisper, which is an internal linking plugin. Um, that's a good little software business as well. So that's kind of me in a quick nutshell. And when did you quit your full-time job? Uh, March 11th, 2011. I remember the day. Uh, and so it's been just over 10 years, um, as of the recording of this, uh, interview here.
0: Congrats. And were you a person who really wanted out of that corporate job or were you rather indifferent? Did you enjoy your job?
1: I always wanted out, um, it pretty early on, you know, working in the corporate world, uh, after a few years of just being in a cubicle and having a boss, I knew that I wanted out. And so it it took a long time. Um, honestly, you know, I was working in the corporate world, uh, for about eight years, eight or nine years, um, and, uh, did not thrive in the cubicle, office politic type environment. That's just not my thing. Uh, and so I, I always wanted out. Um, and so it took, took me a long time, five years of trying, failing, building websites and eventually something stuck. And here we are 10 years later.
0: Gotcha. And yeah, I'm curious some of those early like failures. Did you try some other stuff aside from niche sites and AdSense sites like at first?
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I've tried all kinds of things. I, I sold, um, and I wouldn't necessarily say a lot of these, like I expected to be a full-time income, but I, I sold used books on eBay. I'd go to Goodwill, scan the shelves, find something that I could buy for a dollar and sell for maybe 15 or $20 or whatever. Uh, did that. I sold used clothes on eBay. Um, I, um, tried, I tried a couple other little things like making some things that never took off, right? Like I thought I, maybe I'm like everybody, but I had a whole notebook full of ideas that like I thought about for months and never actually did. Um, so I've, I've had lots of those where I was like, this is the idea. And then I never actually did anything. And you know, um, so, so yeah, I did, did a few things, but it wasn't until sort of getting online and started creating, blogs and websites that i really made any money
0: okay and i think this i have several questions we're going to go all over the place for the the audience here what are some of the biggest changes with how you approach a site now versus maybe when you first got started versus maybe even like 2015 just a few years ago
1: yeah so um Shortly after getting started and really discovering what Google was all about, like how to actually get traffic from Google, uh, my strategy quickly became targeting very low competition keywords and building websites that I could get the exact match domain for. So back in my early days, you know, call it 2008 to 2000. 12 or 13, something like that. It was all about finding a keyword that had some sort of search volume, call it maybe a thousand searches a month, being able to find that exact match domain. So, you know, bestdogfood.com or whatever you could find, um, and building a site on just that very specific topic. So a lot of my sites were only one page or five pages, Um, because Google gave a little bit of a boost, a bonus to having that exact match domain, that article that was titled that exact same keyword, uh, and you could rank quickly. And my whole goal with my sites was just to make a dollar per day per website. Uh, and my goal was just to build like 200 of these and that's what I did. That's, I mean, that's what led me to quitting my job is I built like 200 websites. Some were making a dollar a day. Some were making more than that. You know, I had a couple that did at the time was considered really good for me. Um, like a hundred dollars a day. Right. So I had one or two sites that were like 50 to a hundred dollars and then like a whole slew of other sites making like 50 cents to a dollar a day. Um, so that has changed dramatically. Um, to what I'm doing now. Google um, algorithm updates, of course, have changed the exact match domain bonus. They've changed the lower quality content, which, you know, hey, I was playing that game. I was pumping out hundreds of sites. Um, and so it's shifted dramatically. The the big shift now is, of course, um, building sites that I still target very low competition keywords, but now I try to write quality content and I might have hundreds of articles on one website, right? Instead of building hundreds of websites, I just have 500 articles on one website, right? And so that's, that's been the big change. And, and similar shift from 2015 to now is just the, the continued focus on quality, um, quality content. I mean, even down to like just better on page SEO and better formatting of articles. And moving away from spammy links, right? Even back in 2015, 2016, you could get away with just, um, doing, uh, PBNs and low quality links and just shooting a couple of those. And, you know, you'd, you'd go up near the top, uh, to Google. And so that is all no more. Um, it's all quality white hat outreach, link building, uh, that sort of thing. So
0: yeah, big change. All right. And at the risk of going too deep into some of these specific areas, link building and maybe outreach. How do you approach it these days? I know the supply and demand is dictating that, you know, if you even get a guest post that's well-written, accepted, you may have to pay a quote admin fee. So yeah. What's your approach? How do you handle that these days?
1: Yeah. Um, I personally don't like to pay any sort of admin or niche edit fee or anything like that. Um, I still do outreach, um, and I try to only do guest posts on you know quality websites that you know are clearly not a PBN or not a link farm, right? Um, and a lot of these, as you do research and kind of know what you're looking for, they they start to stand out as like this is a site that clearly accepts like basically just any guest post, right? You usually want to steer clear of sites like that. Um, and even a lot of sites that say, you know, write for us and guest posts, like it's pretty blatantly obvious that that's what they want. Um, so reaching out to just very real websites and trying to, it, it works really well, um, for like nichepursuits.com Like if me as Spencer Hawes, I reach out to somebody and say, Hey, I want to like write a case study or write an experience. You know, can I share that on your blog? It, it's much easier for me, um, to do that because I have, you know, a decade of experience on niche pursuits and I'm kind of well known. It's much more difficult for my niche websites, right? Like to reach out to a gardening blogger for own right? Like I don't really do that. And so I start to have to play into a little bit more of um, like hiring people to do that for me. Um, and so I've used link building services that do that, but they're still going through that same process, right? They're reaching out. They are um, trying to find white hat links. And um, you know, sometimes it's a fine line because when you're doing that, a lot of them, like, especially when you hire somebody to do it for you, like I don't have my eyes on every single one of those requests. And so it's very likely that I've built links from, you know, sites that do accept tons of guest posts. Right. It's just kind of the, it comes with the, with the territory sometimes, but.
0: Yep. And I was going to say, and I think we have, you know, mutual friends and, uh, sponsors of our various endeavors who run those services. And we, we want them to be really good links. But the fact is, like you said, there's some, uh, there's some waste in the system. There's inefficiencies. And the fact is, um, a lot of them do pay like the placement fees with their service and it's hard to navigate. Do you have any tips for people who really want to keep it white hat and they're nervous about it?
1: Yeah. Anytime that you do something at scale or use a company that does things at scale, it, as you know, sort of as a project manager, right, you're going to introduce like all this variance in quality um, is just going to be there. And so I've been willing to accept some of that risk for some of like what I consider my almost side projects, right? Like a lot of these niche sites, even though they might be making, you know, decent money, Like, I wouldn't do it for like my core brand, right? Of like niche pursuits. Like, I, no way would I Mm -hmm. hire a link building service for something like that. And so, um, for somebody, uh, that is building like their core brand or they only have one site and that is their sole focus, I maybe would be very careful and hesitant about trying to automate the process and, and hiring sort of a, uh, somebody that does this at scale um, you're either going to need to hire somebody that doesn't do it at scale, that truly does, you know, do very sort of one-on-one outreach, or you just need to do it yourself and, um, review all the, the, um, review the quality of all the outreach that you're doing. And, um, link building doesn't have to just be outreach, right? You can do a lot of other things that are interesting that, hopefully generate links on their own interesting articles or surveys or research. Right. Um You can start to do a little bit more of that. If like you have just like sort of one core focus for your site Uh that sometimes somebody like me that I've got, you know, five or six sites that I'm working on, I can't always do that. So
0: that, that's some of my thoughts. So let's, Shift gears just a little bit here to Link Whisper, and I, I find it, you know, I, I guess, amazing that you have so many different pieces of your business going on. Potentially, we'll talk a little bit about some of your team and stuff if we have time. But mm-hmm. with Link Whisper, it's been around a couple years. Can you tell me just kind of the rundown? I guess what it is. So if people don't know, uh, but What's the state of this application right now?
1: Yeah, so Link Whisper uh, created it. um, Yeah, it's been just a little little over two years. And it's an internal linking WordPress plugin. So it just makes internal linking much faster and much easier. Uh, The genesis of the idea was really from me building my own sites and realizing, hey, I'm publishing all these articles. I know I should be building internal links to them. But it always kind of falls through the cracks. Right. Uh, and so um, Link Whisper does a few things really well. Uh, one, as you write your article right within the WordPress editor, it suggests internal links to other articles on your website. And so you can just go through and check a few boxes, hit, you know, update article and it'll add those three or four internal links to other articles with the anchor text already selected just like that. Right. So it's very fast and easy. And then on the other end, once you publish a new article, you want to build internal links to it. Uh, so it's got some of that internal link equity. Uh, it does the same thing. You know, Link Whisper suggests internal links to that article with the anchor text already selected. You select the three or four or whatever number that you want. And Link Whisper will go out to those three or four articles, add that link to that new article. Uh, makes it really fast. And then, uh, the other thing that Link Whisper does um is I will just call the overall reporting. There's lots of reporting features that Link Whisper has to help you see how many links each article has. Um, you know, if it has no articles, maybe you should pay attention to that. Uh, we now have something that's click reporting that tells you how many clicks each of your internal links is getting, or even external links are getting on your website. Um and, and just a lot of other reporting features that gives you a lot of insight into the data on the links um, of your website. And so, um, that's sort of the features. And so where, what is the state of, uh, the business now? Um, I'm not sure what you want to dive into, but the business has grown really well. It's, it's, you know, surprised me a little bit in terms of, um, How well it's done. You know, a lot of people love the product. Um, you know, when I created it, I figured, Hey, it's a little idea. Uh, It's going to solve the internal linking, um, process that I have for me. And turns out a lot of people have the same problem. And so it's done really well. The business has grown. I've now got a full time developer, uh, working on it. I've got two customer support staff, uh, that help doing it. I've got. Um, a part-time right now a marketing person that helps me, you know, spread the good news about uh, Link Whisper, and uh,
0: and it's growing. It's doing really well. It's it's been a good business. That's awesome. Were there any assumptions that you had early on that turned out to be maybe a little incorrect, either about the market or the functionality that you were planning on putting in the tool? Um. Yeah. One that I sort of
1: mention there is just that, uh, I figured it would, maybe is going to be a small business, right? I, I can make a few thousand dollars a month and, um, you know, maybe I'll create a couple other WordPress plugins and together, you know, I'll have this portfolio of, you know, making 10, 15,000 a month or something. Right. Uh, but link whisper quickly has exceeded my expectations on in, in that regard. Um, so that is one, uh, the other assumption that I made about functionality, uh, you know, I mentioned the sort of building internal links to and from, uh, content and what, what Link Whisper does there. Uh, we added a feature because people just overwhelmingly wanted it, even though it's a feature that honestly, I don't even use still, uh, to this day is the auto automated internal link building function, which is essentially you can put in a keyword, right? You know, say I'm trying to rank for best survival knife. Right. Um, And everywhere that my website mentions the term best survival knife, it will automatically link to one particular page. Right. Uh, And so people just love that. They use that way more than I ever would have expected, Um, you know, and, and there's some controls on that. You don't have to like every time you mention that word, you can say every time one article mentions this phrase, only link once from that article. Uh, To the other one. So, anyways, people use that automated link building function
0: way more than I expected. And why don't you use it?
1: Uh, I'm afraid that you could do damage to your own website Um, from a user perspective, right? Like, if particularly if it's like a really common phrase on your website, like you could end up with like a lot of links, Um, you know, every time you mention this phrase. Um, I don't think it's good from user experience. Um, the jury's still out whether that would ever hurt you from an SEO perspective, um, because Google has been pretty clear that they want you to build internal links. Uh, and so you can get a little more aggressive with that. But I think that especially if you have, let's say, hundreds of links, all of a sudden with the same anchor text, that gets a little scary, right? You've got 99% of your internal links with the same anchor text pointing to one article that could look really suspicious to Google. Um, and so that's, yeah, I, I like to play it a little safer
0: myself. That's what I thought. It seems a little heavy handed if it's not a little more surgical and right, I've been, I have a specific question. I think a lot of people are probably going to you know, run into this, we've both been talking about internal linking for a long time and then spawned link whisper, of course. So let's say someone has a particular, um, set of anchor text, and I'll just use like a specific example. Let's say I'm trying to rank for Amazon affiliate websites on niche site project. Mm-hmm. And I have, a similar phrase all over the all over the site. I'm linking to maybe ten different pages, so it's a little bit uh, it's a little bit muddled. Google yep. maybe isn't sure what's going on, so yep. I need to go and remove those uh, links to all these different pages. Unify it so I have uh, probably a set of anchor text phrases that are pretty tightly oriented to whatever topic I'm trying to rank for, and then link to that one page. Can you explain the most efficient way to do that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know exactly what you're talking about. I have the same problem on niche pursuits. You know, I've got like at the time I had something like 20 different articles that all mentioned like keyword research, right? And at any given time, I may have linked to one of those, right? All 20 of them have the anchor text keyword research kind of pointing to them from somewhere, right? So so it's a problem because Google's like, well, which of these twenty articles do you really want to rank for the term keyword research? So the way to fix this, um, and I wish I knew an easier way without using Link Whisper. Like I, I'm being completely honest. Like I think you can maybe use Screaming Frog. I think that they scan your site and will tell you what anchor text you're using. Um, but I've never done that. So with Link Whisper, um, you can just go into the the reporting. And you can see how many internal links are pointing to each of your articles. So in your example, you know, Amazon affiliate website, you've got your 10 articles or whatever that you're going to look at. And you do have to do them one at a time, right? But you look at the one and you go, okay, then you can expand the list in Link Whisper. So it shows you, okay, this first article has 20 internal links pointing to it and Link Whisper links out which anchor text. It actually lists out, like, the sentence of each of those internal links, okay? And so you can quickly see, okay, I'm using the Anchor Text Amazon affiliate website three times on this particular article. I want those pointing to this other article, or I want to change the Anchor Text, right? And so right there within Link Whisper, you can either just click the X and delete that internal link, or you click an edit button. And it allows you to edit the sentence right there. And you could change the anchor text if you want, right? Like, if I don't know what the phrase maybe that's similar to Amazon affiliate website that you would be using, like maybe it's Amazon affiliate examples, right? And so you're going to just change it to examples because you're, it's two phrases that you're trying to rank, you know, Amazon mm. affiliate examples. Amazon affiliate websites. That's two different articles, two different phrases. You're just cleaning up that anchor text, right? So you can edit that sentence right there, click save. And that's what I would do is I'd go through those articles and either delete uh, the links that you don't want or edit the actual anchor text phrase right there in link whisper. And it's, it's, um, it really can save a lot of time and it makes it easy because you can see it all right there in one place.
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be a nightmare to do without link whisper you would either have to be a wordpress developer really comfortable with working with a database and and running some sophisticated um queries and, and changes and dangerous dangerous stuff right yeah and and like i said i mean i i'm not
1: like i i really don't know of any easy tools that will tell you all the internal links pointing to one particular article right um you know um, maybe there's something in ahrefs i don't know um and um, google search console gives you a flavor of your internal links but not to that granular detail um but yeah it, um we really did build the plug-in to sort of make it super easy to just yeah see all your internal links change them edit add um you know kind of on the fly or as needed
0: okay yeah i couldn't really ask for a better ad within a, I mean, there's really not another way to do this in an efficient way. So, right. Okay. So shifting gears a little bit, I saw, uh, not too long ago, you were working through a manual penalty for one of your sites, right? Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it and kind of lay the groundwork and then what happened?
1: yeah um absolutely you know it's one of these horror stories that uh it happens man you build websites and this is for my my public website niche site project four um it's owntheyard.com if people don't know about that they can you know check that out but uh yeah in december of last year uh, i got a notification in my google search console that um i got a manual uh penalty for um uh for links, you know, um, a, a links penalty. And, of course, Google doesn't tell you very much. It basically says um, this may re- – reading the documentation, they you know, it may only apply to one page, you know, on your site. They don't really tell you is it site-wide. Is it one page? I think – I still don't know. I think it probably was only one page, and I never detected which page that was. Um, uh, the good news is, is that I never saw a single impact on any of my traffic to my site. It wasn't like traffic went down. In fact, it went up in, you know, over the last several months. Um, but it's really annoying to see a manual link penalty every time you log into your Google search console. And so what I did is I worked with um, Rick Lomas. Um, he is well known in the space for being able to clean up um, link penalties basically. And so we worked together. He did a review of all the links on my site and we found a lot of really automated sort of link spam, um, that it just, I don't know how, how it got there. If it just accumulated, um, somebody or just a robot caught my site up in some net of like, Hey, this is a good site to send a bunch of spam to. Um, but that happens. Right. And so we cleaned all those up. We did a disavow file, um, and hit the submit button, uh, in Google search console and just waited. Uh, and it took four months and, uh, Google just, um, about a week and a half ago, finally sent me an email and said, your reconsideration request has been approved and your manual link penalty is gone. And so kind of, kind of crazy. Um, again, no impact on the traffic. Like I said, the traffic's actually been going up. Um, but in a way, it's kind of nice to be able to submit something to Google and know that they actually kind of are re- reviewing that manually. Uh, and they sort of give the stamp of approval to all your other links and say, you're good. No more penalty. Right. And so that's kind of the quick, uh, experience. Um, kind of, kind of fun, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Part of the game. I'm amazed at the four month delay, but I guess one, they have one person back in a room reading (laughs) all the requests coming through. Good grief. Right. I mean, I have no idea how, how large their
1: team is to do that. Right. But uh, yeah, it took took four months. You know, I couldn't throw my weight around and say, Hey, it's Spencer from niche pursuits. Come (laughs) on. Can you get on this? No, Google, they don't care. (laughs)
0: They don't care much at all, man. Yeah, that's rough. And I think, um, all good SEOs have, uh, one of those great manual penalty stories, you know, luckily you didn't lose any traffic. Do you have any other big uh, manual penalties or sort of snafus with Google that you want to share? Um, no other manual pen. I mean,
1: I, this is my fourth niche site project. Um, as you know, Doug, like there definitely have been problems with previous sites that I've built, you know, building private blog network links on, uh, niche site project two. Yeah, I think it was. And yeah, I got, got penalized for doing that, um, along the way. And yeah, throughout the years, there's definitely been ups and downs. Some sites that get, uh, hit by a Google core algorithm update. And others that improve when those happen, you know, um, and, and that's, that's not really a a penalty, like when there's a core algorithm update. Um, but it does give you the opportunity to kind of fix your site and, and hope that you get a rebound on the next one. Um, and that actually did happen with own the yard as well. As far as I can tell, last May, it looked like it did get hit, um, with a little bit of that, the core, the core algorithm update. Then in December, Uh, it, it, uh, recovered from that, um, when the next algorithm update was, was launched. And so, uh, yeah, there's been a lot of ups and downs along the year, uh, throughout the years, but the name of the game is just always trying to improve quality, kind of continuing to do what you know works, doing your best to follow what Google is trying to tell us as webmasters to do and, and hope that that works. And, um,
0: Yeah. Uh, overall, you
1: know, it's been more successes than failures, for sure.
0: What, what keeps you interested in creating these niche sites? You had a pretty significant exit with Longtail Pro. Your other parts of your business are flourishing. So what, why keep building these sites?
1: Ah, man. You know, it's a little bit like mining for gold and like just an old prospector that is maybe a little insane. Like you always have that dream of finding that gold nugget under the next rock. And uh, that's kind of how I view keyword research in a way is like you're just digging through these piles of keywords, right? And you're like, ah, there's a vein of like really interesting keywords that, you know, like the latest one is I'm on squirrels right now with own the yard, you know, like how to feed squirrels and, you know, everything related to squirrels right now. Um, and it's just kind of fun, right? It's like, just to think, man, you just kind of find this underserved, um, bucket of keywords that seems to be easy to rank for that people are still searching for on Google. And it's kind of fun just to, Um, be able to, to target those. And then, you know, a month or two or six months later, you see, man, that worked. And now I'm making this much money because I like found that little, um, you know, vein of keywords. And so uh, maybe it's a little bit of insanity in me always kind of, um, you know, looking for that next thing. Um, it's fun. I enjoy doing it. Um, I have a little bit of that, um, I don't know what you call it, but that entrepreneurial bug where I always got to be starting something new and and this kind of fulfills that for me right like every couple of years or something i'm onto a new niche site or buy another site or right it kind of fulfills that need a little bit uh and so i i do that even though like some of my businesses like you mentioned longtail pro ended up like making more than my niche sites that i was building um like it's still just kind of fun to get in the weeds and and do that i enjoy it so
0: you just love it. It's, it's sort of like uh stand up comedians who work on a new act every act every couple of years. You know, they they love comedy, they love coming up with new bits and funny yeah. things. Yeah. Yep. Just exactly. It. Now you're an accomplished long distance runner. Can you tell me a couple of the maybe recent races or what are you training for these days?
1: Oh man, Doug, you know me too well. Um, this is good. I don't know if I've ever talked too much about running on one of these. This is, this is awesome. Um, so yeah, I've run, um, either, I believe it's 13, uh, marathons and full marathons, um, over the years. And it had always been a goal of mine to run into the Boston marathon. Um, you have to qualify, you have to get, you know, under a certain time to be able to run that. So it's a little bit prestigious, right? It's a major marathon where there's actually yeah. pro athletes running it. Um, not that I'm not a, anywhere near what they're doing, but just to like be in the same race as them, like that's kind of cool. And so it it, it was a, a dream of mine. I tried five or six times and and didn't make it. Uh, I finally in 2018, I did qualify and had the opportunity to run the Boston Marathon in 2018. Uh, and so that was kind of my big, um, accomplishment. And I don't know how far down this rabbit hole you want to go, but there, there's a whole story here. Um, so that was the leading up to it. Like it really was a year, many years journey training, not Qualifying, training, not qualifying. Anyways, finally qualifying, getting in, running Boston. I wanted it to be like this big celebratory experience. Uh, in the back of my mind is like, I'm going to have a good race. I'm going to get my medal and then I'm going to retire from marathons because this is a lot of dang work, right? Like, you know, <laughs> training all the time. Uh, it ended up being, um, the worst weather. Uh, it was really rainy. It was really cold and really windy. And anybody that doesn't believe me, do a Google search on the 2018 Boston Marathon. Just look at some of those videos. It was very cold, windy, and rainy. Um, by the end of the race, I don't remember the numbers, but I believe it was a little over 5,000 people dropped out of the race because of hypothermia, um, including many of the elite athletes. They, they stopped halfway through because they were so cold. Um, and a a lot of it was the wind actually. Like, um, I do fine in cold weather, but when you're soaking wet, it was raining and then it's cold wind. Like your body just doesn't have the opportunity to warm back up even though you're running. Um, so I did great through about halfway. I made it to 20 miles. By that point I was getting colder and colder, but I'm like, just keep plugging along. I'm going to make it mile 22. Um, I misjudged a pothole. Uh, it was filled with water and I stepped on it kind of sideways and I hit the pavement, sprained my ankle really bad. Um, luckily my friend was right there and a the medical tent was like within a hundred yards. I'm like, okay, let's hobble over to the medical tent, get me wrapped up. I'm going to go finish the last four miles. Okay. I, I was cold and miserable. But I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, they wrapped up my ankle. And in the process of sitting there, I was shivering and shaking uh, so bad. And my lips were starting to turn blue, they tell me. And they took my temperature and they said, you cannot leave this medical tent. You're too cold. You have hypothermia. You can't leave until your temperature is back up to 98.6 degrees. And they said, you should probably just quit. <laughs> and I was like, I am not going to quit, first of all. That is not going to happen. Uh, and so I, they wrapped me up in blankets. They tried to drive me off. I had to sit there for an hour because my body was just shivering and so cold before I got up to 98.6 degrees. Uh, and so it, I, they let me go. I finished the marathon. I got my medal right? But it's the slowest marathon by far that I've ever run uh, because of that extra hour plus in a medical tent. Um, a crazy experience and was, did not end up being like the pinnacle of like, I'm going to retire now happily ever after type thing. And so, um, I've started to train again, uh, for a marathon. I want to go back and get some redemption at the Boston Marathon. I want to get back in. I want to have a good experience and then then maybe call it quits after that. Uh, so I trained really hard. I was about to run a marathon that was scheduled for like April 7th, uh, 2020. And March, mid-March 2020 is when everything with COVID shut down. So I had been training for like 20 weeks, you know, four months, uh, three weeks before I run my marathon, it got canceled. Um, and that's sort of been the story over the last year is every marathon I'm looking at doing gets canceled. Uh, so now, um, sitting where I'm at now, I have about, uh, eight weeks to a marathon. I'm running in Idaho. Uh, Idaho is much more open. I'll be fully vaccinated by then. It's a limited edition with like 400 people. Uh, I'm 99.9% sure it's going to (laughs) happen. And so anyways, so I'm back on track. I'm hoping to run a marathon in eight weeks and hopefully at some point get back to Boston, run it and have a much better experience. So there you go.
0: That's a good answer. I am amazed that you warmed back up and kept going. You are one stubborn dude, huh?
1: Oh man, well, you don't train for years, get to Boston, and then just stop four miles short. Like it's just, you don't do that, right? I mean, you, you at least got to get your medal. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. So, are there any parallels between endurance sports, long distance running, and entrepreneurship? I'm sure, you could draw a couple uh stories for us, but yeah, what, what are your thoughts on that? Because I've seen I think one of our other mutual friends, Jesse Lakes, he's an ultra marathon runner. Yeah. So yeah, what do what do you think?
1: I think there's so many parallels and lessons that that you could draw there, right? Determination, you know, endurance, like you said, the whole aspect of training and training and training and training for a performance day. Right. Um, and a lot of that could be tied to building websites where maybe you're, you're researching and researching and researching and not giving up until you find that vein of really valuable keywords or, you know, kind of taking all that sort of training and knowledge. Maybe they've taken a course from you or, you know, they've read niche site project four and kind of looked at what I've done and then performance day, they go apply that to their website. But a lot of it comes down to just kind of the attitude of getting back up when you get knocked down. Google is hitting us all the time, right? Um, or Pinterest changed their algorithm or for whatever reason, your site's not ranking as better uh, a- as well as it was, but maybe getting back up and, you know, either trying again or trying something different and uh, trying to improve. So kind of looking for that Continuous improvement is maybe a, a, a one way to encapsulate all of that. It's just continually trying to get better and improve, whether that's business, running, you know, niche websites, whatever that is.
0: I was surprised the other week when you and I were exchanging some emails and you said it's pretty likely that you're not going to be publishing new podcast episodes or YouTube videos. So I, I was shocked. I, Sort of got into this stuff by finding your podcast and listening to, you know, hundreds of hours of it. So, yeah, can you tell us about where you're at there and kind of the decision making process around it?
1: Yeah. And so you are one of the few that sort of know that I'm thinking down along these lines. Um, boy. So I love the podcast. I love the YouTube channel. I love connecting with people. Um, but it's a big time commitment. Um, and also another thing, well, let's talk about what I don't like about it. The other big thing, and this is purely a selfish thing, is I don't love having things on my schedule. Um, and as weird as that sounds is like, Sometimes when I have an appointment at one o'clock, um, you know, that I'm supposed to interview somebody, I, I can be very excited and it's a great interview and I'm energized other days. Like I want to take a nap, um, you know, and so it it's really hard to sort of say, okay, I'm going to be energized and excited at one o'clock every day. Right. I would rather do things that I can pick whenever I want to do that thing. Like, maybe I thought I was going to do it at 10 a.m., but it's really 2 p.m. that I feel good and energized and I'm going to record that video or write that blog post or so having a scheduled um, interview is not something I love. Um, and my time is getting pulled in a lot of different directions, right? We, we talked about, um, you know, I've got a niche site portfolio. I've got nichepursuits.com. Um, I've now, uh, got link whisper that I'm trying to grow. I'm a partner in a couple other businesses. Um, you know, I am about to become a partner in a real estate deal. I'm going to be developing a little bit of property. So I've got also other things going on. And, um, so all that said, I'm not ending the podcast. I'm not ending the YouTube channel, but I'm looking at ways to mitigate my own time. Uh, and one um, way that I'm doing that is I'm potentially bringing in a guest host for the podcast. And I've already had them record one interview. They're going to be doing another one this week. And so I'm going to see how they do on the podcast and those would be videos. And so I'd publish those you know, on YouTube. Um, and I think it's going to be good. And so the Niche Pursuits podcast will live on. I'll still record an intro after they do the interview and say, here's my thoughts. You know, listen to the interview. It's a really good one. Um, and then I think there probably still will be time to time. It's just like, you know what? I really want to interview this person or this, you know, talk about this subject. I'm going to bring on an expert. So. I don't think I'm going to 100% go away, but I am going to take a little bit of a step back to free up a little bit of my time and still try to have the podcast and YouTube channel without me doing 100% of it.
0: So that's kind of where I'm
1: at, and it's evolving, and we'll see where it ends up exactly.
0: 100% makes sense. I know one – actually, someone you – Wrote about in some other blog post, Mister Money Mustache, Pete Adney. Yeah. So, which we could actually talk about financial independence in a second if we have a few minutes. But um, he he's a kind of a neighbor of mine. He lives in the same town in Longmont here. And okay. my understanding is he likes to have like an open schedule. So if one were to try to invite him, like, Hey, are you you know want to come over on Friday? He might say, uh, you know, I don't have anything. Maybe like ask me the day before like he wants a very short window he doesn't want like a whole calendar full of stuff so yeah. there's a lot of freedom in that where you can just wake up and see what the day brings you i mean you're a family man too you have a, right. the whole crew so maybe you want to hang out with them and go on a picnic instead of you know totally talking about a niche site for the you know 300th time so.
1: <laughs> Yeah, there's, there is, I mean, it's just a lot of, um, when when I look at it and this does tie into sort of the financial freedom question is like, do I really want and need a business where I'm, I'm booked solid? Um, or do I want a little bit more of that freedom? And, you know, I, I skewed more towards that freedom. Not that I ever was like booked solid, solid, but, um, I, yeah, I'm, Doing my best to keep a super flexible, lean schedule so that I can do one of two things. One, either, yeah, go take the day off and go hang out with family. Uh, or it, it opens up a lot of sort of thinking and brainstorming time, right? Where I can sit down and go, okay, how do I take link, link whisper to the next level? Or what's like a new, unique website that I wasn't planning on doing? Right. It can, it having that freedom to think. Can 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 spark interesting ideas as well, and so I want to make make
0: sure I have that time. And it makes me think of uh, boredom because I I'm a busybody as well. I mean, I think you're kind of a busybody too. And I'll, I'll fill my time even if I have the open schedule. I'll create some projects and really make myself busier than I need to be. And and when yeah. you're busy, the time goes by fast. Maybe productive. It feels kind of good, but you're not bored. And I feel like I'm not coming up with new ideas if I'm running around busy all the time. That's why a lot of times if I'm walking or jogging or exercising, I I won't listen to a podcast or audio book. It's just you know quiet so I could be with my thoughts. Do you do any sort of meditation or when you run, do you listen to anything or...
1: Yeah. So, um, that's a good point because I think there has been a lot of ideas that I've come up while I've been running because I do, I, I spend, you know, a decent amount of time running. Uh, I, I listen to music, um, but I don't listen to like anything that like requires me to be paying attention too much. Right. For that same reason, like, um, I do like to let my thoughts wander and they do, you know, sometimes wander over to business. And I think about, Oh, you know, trying to think of the last thing I thought of sort of while I was running, but definitely there's ideas that, you know, are sort of sparked right when you're, when you're away from the desk, when you're away from the busyness, these ideas just sort of whatever mechanism in your, in your brain that's causing that, like just kind of makes a random connection and goes like, Oh, why haven't I been doing that or whatever? So I, that's what I do. Um, in, in that regard, um, I think just exercise in general, like being healthy, right. Having a good diet exercise, like that's just a good business tip, a good life tip. Right. But certainly as it applies to business, like the brain functions a little better. Um, you're a little quicker on your feet. It's, um, it's just smart to be doing that.
0: Yeah. Uh, pretty much. Every, I mean, I don't, run or work out as hard as you do but i try to do something a little active spend a lot of time outdoors our weather's pretty pretty fair there's a lot of blue sunny skies in the like front range area of colorado so it's pretty peaceful and i I try to get out there often so okay i'm curious do you have any new sort of things on the horizon with link whisper or is it actually i'll leave it open i won't fill in any blanks for you Anything new? New features? What What's in the plans for the next, say, twelve to eighteen months?
1: So, uh, Link Whisper. Um, I'm always looking for new feature ideas. Some of the latest that we came out with was the the click reporting. Um, we also now integrate with Google Search Console, so you can actually see the amount of organic search traffic that is coming to each of your posts. That it helps you make better uh, decisions. Um, and and I don't know if a lot of people know this, but there is a Shopify version of Link Whisper, uh, as well. And so a lot of the work that we're doing now is sort of moving over a lot of these newer features over to Shopify. They don't currently exist, uh, on Shopify. Um and so we're bringing those over. Um, I don't have any big announcements for newer features on Link Whisper, um, I'm sure there will be new ideas that maybe it'll come up when I'm training for my marathon this weekend, right? Or, or something. Um, but a lot of the core functionality is there and I'm sure there will be new features. Um, but a lot of it's sort of, um, filling the little gaps and holes that are, that are already there. Uh, for example, we now support a lot of different languages. Um, and so we're always looking to support a new language, right? So of course we support all the major Spanish, French, um, you know, Russian, but we're getting into Arabic and Serbian and, you know, we're trying to capture more and more users in that regard. So a lot of the development's going towards things like that and also supporting individual either uh, mostly themes, um, you know, or like block editors, right? So we support obviously like Thrive themes, Beaver Builder, Elementor, um, but a lot of these ma- major um themes or block editors, we have to specifically build integrations with. Um, you have to develop the plugin. And so a lot of the development time is going towards that as well. Um, I wish I had um, some other big thing, uh, new feature, but I'm always looking for ideas. So if there are listeners out there that like have an idea, they think, hey, this would be awesome if you added the Link Whisper." shoot me an email. Let me know. Um, I just might add it.
0: Very cool. I like the pretty narrow focus of the functionality of the tool. I think we've both used tools where it started off with a great core product and as they expand scope, it becomes muddled. Maybe it's not as usable and they kind of lose focus on like that pure core functionality. And I mean, the reporting alone is hugely valuable to find orphan pages and just understanding where your links are on your site so right and
1: part of i think running a successful SaaS company is knowing what to say no to in terms of new features Um, we do get a lot of feature requests that i just i say nope not not going there right it's outside the really the internal linking scope of what we're trying to do like a lot of people have asked hey, can you make this like Pretty Links or Thirsty Affiliates, right, where it's a full affiliate link management tool, right? You're already doing links. You should just start doing affiliate link management. And that starts to get a little outside the scope of what we're doing, right? Because at that point, where do you draw the line? Do you start doing, oh, well, we're already doing affiliate links, so let's do, you know, product boxes for Amazon Associates like AAWP does and, you know, um, Amalinks Pro and, and these other tools are doing, right? You could really start to expand the scope. And it becomes much more difficult to market your tool with a clear message uh, to end users when you say we kind of do everything with links on your site, you know. But if I can always keep the core message of you know we help you manage, build, you know, and and just overall develop internal links on your site, it it's just a much more clear message.
0: Fantastic. And we do have a a deal that I will be uh, sharing the specific coupon code and all that stuff. So it'll be easy for people to find. We won't even mention it here, but we appreciate it so much, Spencer, to get that, I believe, $20 off,
1: right? Yep. Yep. We'll get that $20 off. I think we'll do it for a week um, once this interview is released and it'll be in your you know, show notes or you yep. know, where, wherever that is, uh, the coupon code. Uh, and then there'll still be a good discount. Um, we'll probably move it to $15 off permanent long term. So even if people find this, you know, a year down the road, they can still get a good um, discount. And those are the biggest discounts that, that I offer is I is a $20 off short term, I always only do it short term. Um, and then $15 off, you know, if people are lucky enough to find one of these interviews, they can get it for that. So
0: fantastic. Where can people find you, Spencer? Yeah, best place is uh,
1: nichepursuits.com. That's my blog where people can follow along with my projects and what I'm doing. Uh, I am over on Twitter as well. Not that I'm super active, but uh, it's you know at nichepursuits. Uh, And then I've got a private Facebook group that people can join. Um, We, we have a really active group there. People talking about SEO, building niche websites, affiliate marketing. um, And that's, you know, if you just go to Facebook and search for niche pursuits, you'll find me. Um, That's the best place. That's where I'm at.
0: Thanks. It's been a pleasure. And I'm uh, so happy that we got to spend the time this afternoon.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Doug. Thanks for uh, digging a little deeper there, having me tell some stories, even uh, outside of business, got into running. Um, It was fun. Good questions. I really enjoyed it. Hopefully uh, your audience enjoyed the discussion as well. So thank you.
0: Thanks to Spencer Hawes and certainly check out his stuff. He publishes a lot of very high quality material over at Niche Pursuits. And don't forget, you can save $20 on Link Whisper. Interesting thing with Link Whisper, I forgot to ask Spencer about this, but I don't think there was any similar tool in the market. It was really a new piece of functionality. And Something that you know people struggled with. I was doing this with a brute force method, and that's kind of how I would advise people to uh, back in the day. I would literally keep spreadsheets and have all of my URLs listed, have all of the links that they had pointing to other internal posts, and it was manageable. You could use it. I trained a VA or two to help me out with that, and I it was simple enough, but it wasn't a robust solution where you could actually pull reports and understand what the heck was going on. And that's not to say you couldn't have done that with some simple spreadsheets or a more sophisticated database approach, but Link Whisper makes it very straightforward. And I have to say, um, the quality of the software is awesome. It was a little buggy like all version, you know, 0.9 and version one. It was a little buggy at first, but it has only improved and now there's additional functionality being added. And I I like the sort of the sole focus on internal linking and then reporting on links. So pretty cool tool. And obviously, I mean, I'm a fan. I like it. Now I told you earlier, I was going to talk about Running a little bit because i I used to be uh, really into running half marathons that was my distance. I really enjoy running for over an hour, but I never took the plunge into the marathon distance now, part of it if you're a long time listener, you know i also I like the beer I, I drink beer, and when you drink a lot of beer, well, it kind of gets in the way of like early morning runs. beer isn't the best. Hydration source, and it doesn't. Uh, you know what? Hangovers totally screw you up. You know, if you're try, you try to go on a long run, and you're hungover, it doesn't work out that well. Although you will run into people. Actually, one of my friends here in Longmont, apparently, before he runs half marathons, he'll. uh I mean, he doesn't do it on purpose. He just ends up like hanging out and drinking a little too much, and his. uh his his best half marathon time his pr was after drinking like 10 beers the night before not getting good sleep and he did really well so kind of funny anyway my my running has tapered off i had a few like achilles and calf injuries and i haven't been able to really get over it so i had a muscle tear i think in like 2012 or 2013 I rested, I did physical therapy, kind of got back in shape, started running a little bit more. And then in the last year or so, I've had sort of an Achilles issue. I forget the, I mean, really it's just, you know, tendonitis in some capacity, but my Achilles is swollen on, on one leg and I can run here and there, but I haven't been able to uh, shake it. I did go to physical therapy again and actually improved and the swelling went down and I was doing a lot of other exercises, which um, I, I suppose it's like a lot of people, once you stop doing the physical therapy, you slowly taper off and don't do the exercises that helped you get better, which you need to keep doing. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to pick that back up, but the big thing was icing my like whole foot. And not just putting like a cold pack on there, but I had a cooler and I would fill it with ice water, probably like, you know, 50, 30% ice and water. And it was uh, just, it was so cold. It's so cold. It hurts. It's really cold to do that, but it really takes care of the inflammation. The swelling went down and I would, I would do it you know, th- say three to five times per day throughout the day. And it would like chill my foot down. And honestly, like as the winter approached, it's just not a fun thing to do when it's cold outside. Maybe I'm just, my core body temperature wasn't super warm. So I, I would uh, not really want to ice my foot for obvious reasons because it would make me cold. But here we have summer coming around. Actually, as I'm recording this right now, it's like in the 80s here in Colorado. It's pretty warm. So me dunking my foot into a tub of ice, it doesn't sound so bad. It'll cool off my whole body. That That's kind of a nice thing. And if I could run more, I would love it. I, I love running for about an hour or so. Just, I mean if you're not a runner you won't understand but for me it's like a perfect distance i earn those beers when i when i run that far and the half marathon distance seems to be a good one for me now one thing i may try to do instead and to some extent i'm already doing this more is just hike in the mountains uh steep trails up high elevations I mean, your heart rate gets going pretty fast, and it's fairly strenuous as you're going up. On the way down, it's fairly easy. My heart rate doesn't get up as much, but I know there are some hikes that I've gone on that are fairly intense, and my heart rate will be up uh, roughly the same as if I was actually just running on relatively, you know, flat or uh, small inclines. So I miss running. It's cool to hear about you know Spencer's accomplishments and. Being able to qualify for Boston is insane. Uh, he sort of, he, he's um, a modest guy. He sort of understated that, but qualifying for Boston is a huge accomplishment. And I, I don't know if I could do it if my life depended on it. I mean, it. it it's, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do. So kudos to Spencer. Thanks for, uh, you know, joining me. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time, Spencer, and all you listeners out there. I appreciate it, too. Definitely check out uh, Spencer's stuff if you haven't before. We'll catch you on the next episode.